0: Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. This week on the PR Moment Podcast, in the latest of our live story series, I'm interviewing Sharon Bange, managing partner at Kindred. Kindred is an interesting story because it almost went under in 2011 when the Conservative government cut back massively on public sector communications. Sharon has been with the business since 2003 and is now a managing partner. Thanks to our podcast sponsors, the PRCA, who are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, I think I'm right in saying that your first choice of career was a social worker, mm. um, which feels like a long way from public relations. So uh, how come you've ended up in PR?
1: Yeah, when I left university, that was my original intention, to be a social worker. Right. Um, and I saw um, a job um, that was as a presenter on the Aim Higher Road show, which was kind of a big Labour government initiative to get people um, from disadvantaged backgrounds to go to university.
0: So this is where I start feeling paranoid because you're you're obviously an experienced presenter, unlike my good self. Well, so, presenting
1: uh, to a room full of like 15-year-olds. Well, not actual yeah, adults. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, this, I thought, was quite a good segue into the kind of social work career because right. it was sort of young people. Okay, so
0: you sort of took the first steps but never quite got there because never got PR there. drew you in. It did. Right. So the
1: roadshow was run by Geronimo communications at the time it was yeah. for, on behalf of the department for education and um, so I did a year presented on the road show after that moved to London to coordinate the road show and then got sucked into PR and the rest is history. And without
0: going too deep do, do you I mean you're obviously happy in your current career but social work you know that is a, a worthy career to take on isn't it do you, is there a A little bit of regret that you didn't find out about that? Or are you you happy with the way you've ended up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I never knew PR existed before I started working for a PR agency. Um, But then I kind of felt that it played to a lot of my strengths and the things I enjoy. I like talking to people. I like writing. I like ideas. um, I like getting to know about new subjects. So it ticked Um, all the boxes. Yeah, it did. And I've been lucky that I've been able to work on campaigns that have had some social value and social impact yeah. as part of my career. So I've kind of got a bit of the doing good as part of the PR career without actually having to go into social work.
0: You've, you've touched on the public sector work a couple of times already, which mm. we'll, we'll come on to in a minute and um, the implications of that. But it sort of links in, I suppose, to my, my next question, really, was that, you know, we all love a comeback story, don't we? Um And the story of of Kindred is kind of right up there in the the PR firms coming back from the brink um, context of it all. For those listeners who don't know the background, in 2010, when a new conservative David Cameron-led government came to power, there was a huge cutback on government communications. At the time, about 90% of Kindred's work was public sector. So the situation got business critical pretty quickly. Sharon, you were there at the time. Just talk us through what happened.
1: Um, So we, prior to to the government changing, we had a a very strong, robust um, public sector business. Um, Back then, the contracts were worth a lot more than they are now. Um, So you didn't need many of them to be able to kind of sustain quite a large headcount and have a good turnover. Um, And then literally overnight, the government changed and every time the phone rang, Pretty much it was another client saying that um, they wow. had to put a hold on spending and we couldn't continue with the work that we were doing.
0: So let's say the, the, the election was on the... I don't know, I'm completely... Make, I have no idea what day the election was, but let's say a Thursday, Friday morning, the phones were going. Yeah, yeah, wow. it was
1: pretty much straight
0: away. And did you suspect such a thing was going to happen or was it just did you have any you didn't have any forewarning really i suppose because it was we didn't really know who's going to win that election did we it was a no. bit it was quite a close one
1: yeah it was and um i think we suspected that that would happen at some point but we had a feeling that the contracts would maybe run their course yeah or that c- campaigns would continue in one way or another and it, it just didn't happen it right. was um kind of one after another um clients told us that they they had to kind of cease spending
0: so at that point you've got I don't know, lots of employees, probably mm. 80, 90, 100 employees, um, and not a lot of work for them to do. Is that? Is that, It's kind of as simple as that, is it?
1: Yeah, it really is. I think by the summer of that year, I'd say the business was completely decimated. Right. Um, all of the clients that, that we'd kind of built the business around couldn't spend with us anymore.
0: Yeah, and you're not going to change that quickly enough But before you have to... Under, to, 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 to um, give people give those employees work so you had to take a, a pretty fundamental restructuring of the business
1: um yeah we did and by October of that year um, Nick musto who was one of the directors at the time and who is now um kindred's chairman um, he led a management buyout from tribal group who were the PLC that had bought Geronimo a, a few years prior to that right. um, and the company's been independently owned ever since
0: so let's just backtrack to that then because you it's quite interesting to talk because when I first came into PR funny enough it was one the first um, acquisitions I sort of witnessed, if that's the right phrase. Mm. Geromino, about two thousand and four, was bought by mm. Tribal Group, as you say, um, for thirteen point six million. Yeah. so not, not an in, insignificant sum. Um, and so, and it ran perfectly happily for the best part of ten years. Um, and then, David Cameron's Conservative government came to power, um, and what the business went to, the, the changes you've just outlined. And and at that point, tribal groups basically wanted out or, or, or the business wasn't worth much, so mm-hmm. Nick Musto and the management team took it over. Is, it, is that basically what happened? Yeah. For, presumably not a lot, because it wasn't worth very much at the time, but they you know they, they took on what was left and uh, and, and ran with it
1: yeah and I, nick is a businessman who's bought and sold and set up yeah. um, several businesses over the years so i think it was a, a calculated risk for him he saw the potential in the people and in the business um and um its ability to to rebuild which it has since that point
0: it's an amazing story isn't it and we, we come mm. on to that in a minute. but just that was quite interesting because you obviously had when did kindred happen was it did kindred was that the rebrand when po- post the, the the management buyout, in effect? Because when before that it was Geronimo, or was, did Kindred happen a bit before that? I can't quite remember. Um,
1: Kindred happened a bit before that. Right. So um, Geronimo sold to Tribal in two thousand and four, and in two thousand and eight, Tribal bought Mustos, yeah. um who were an advertising agency, um, and merged them together to so form you, Kindred. You're
0: already, I don't know, three, four years into the into that sort of integrated mm. merger. If you like, so that in in, in a sense you've probably been to some pain on that, and you had yeah. you had some conceptual ideas about what integrated comms offer, company might look like. Um, so so that okay, that's and yeah. and, and, and what was the. Uh, what was Nick's business called prior to that? Uh, uh, Musto's. It was originally Musto's, okay, Merriman,
1: fine. Herring and Levy, I That's believe, what I thought. back in yeah, the
0: yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, okay, so, I, I mean, just last couple of questions on that. How, what was the employee scheme all about? Because it was, was everyone down to account director got a bit of equity? Was that um, was that how it worked? Associate
1: or? directors okay. and above right. um, all got share options as part of the deal. I think there's right. an enterprise management scheme which made kind of giving shares to employees more affordable. Right. Um So that's something that, that Nick did as part of that management buyout. Um, and I think that's one of the kind of key things in really helping to rebuild the business, because okay. the people who remained really had a stake um, in the future of the company. Um, and I think it just kind of injected an extra uh, burst of energy and enthusiasm at a time when things could have been quite um, dire, um, yeah. that really sort of helped things get off the ground again.
0: And, and are many of those people still uh, with the company, because I mean, you're, yeah. I just wonder. You've obviously been there a long time, so I just wonder if there's a trend of people who've who've stayed with the business partly because of that. It's not not. It's gonna, you know, are obviously going to mm-hmm. have to enjoy your job and all that sort of thing, but it's it's worked as a, I suppose, a loyalty incentive.
1: Yeah, and we have several members of staff who've been with the company for over a decade. Right. Um so I think that's kind of down to the sort of culture of the agency, um not just the, the share incentives, um but there are there are several people that, are, that have spent their whole careers at Kindred.
0: Okay. And just just from a practical level really, when what if you've got, you know, 90% of any of our businesses if that disappears, um where, I mean, where do you start? I mean, what it must have it must have been tempted just to order you go and get another job, and all credit that you didn't. And you, you, mm. you, 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 but I wouldn't quite know where to start. I, mean, I guess you've got to get pitching, haven't you? And pretty quickly,
1: yeah. And, and diversifying our portfolio of clients, I think we were so reliant on public sector yeah. business that a change like that, as I say, it just decimated the well, agency, and that
0: wasn't going to come back anytime soon, was it? Mm. So you had to. So where did you where did you diversify to?
1: Um, So we we looked to the private sector. Um, We looked at parts of our offer um, that were at the time, I guess, um, quite new to the market. Um, So the integrated piece, like everybody's doing that now. But I think at the time, Kindred was sort of one of the the pioneers of that. So going to clients um, and asking them what their problem is, not what discipline um, they wanted to use. Um, Social media as well was something that we invested um, quite a lot in in terms of personnel. And effort, um, and that's something that really kind of helped her, to grow the private sector part of the business and gave us something new to talk about.
0: And was that um, how many people did you go down to post post the, the restructuring of the business? I mean, were you oh, I don't know exactly, you know, you know, roughly it
1: about 25, 30, okay. I'd right. say.
0: So it was, you know, you, you lost a lot of people, mm. okay, mm. right. Um, and then you you started winning stuff. I mean, that's that. that I, mm. I, I don't quite understand how you how you won enough stuff quick enough to keep it all going. But the basic reality is, you did.
1: Yeah, hard work, good people, um, and hard work. Um. But you know
0: how PRs won. I mean, even if mm. a client wants to give you the business, they might be on a retainer with somebody else, and it's got to wait six months, twelve months, whatever. You know, you, so it's it's quite interesting that you you managed to win enough sufficiently quickly to to obviously. You know, frankly, pay the bills.
1: Yeah, and I think we were we were lucky at that time that we we could offer a diverse um, range of, of, of stuff. Essentially, so the advertising function, um, yeah. you know, we, we did have um, pure advertising clients at that time. That was an area that we could grow, where we had contacts, where we could bring in new leads. So it wasn't just the PR alone that we were reliant on, um, because we were and in in, in some parts of the industry we are still known as a public sector pr agency um and that is something that we are really good at but we're much more than that and can offer much more than that to clients and that was something that we we worked very hard to sell at that time
0: i suspect it's not 90 percent public sector now
1: it's not <laughs> it's hard to cut it actually it changes every day but it's really? uh, it's a okay. much more balanced business than it
0: was it's a remarkable stat isn't it 90 mm, it was yeah,
1: yeah it was it was the the by far, the I mean, you
0: weren't the only we ones, ones who suffered. To be to be clear, we yeah, should add, and a but, lot of them aren't around anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Just looking back, and I've I, I centered on the, the the business side of it to, a, a lot so far. So we we'll come on to to your individual story in a moment, but you were kind of one of the first PR businesses, I suppose, to go through that that integration curve mm. um, where you you put together a, a, a PR firm and a, a, a digital creative type firm. What well, you know, were there so I suppose, in that sense, you're you're looking back in hindsight over a greater period of time. Uh, just talk us through, I, don't know, I suppose, the lessons learned and and how mm. that's gone.
1: Um, I think there were, there were a lot of challenges in the beginning, and I think um, one of them came with the fact that traditionally PR people are used to doing everything themselves. You know, we write the strategy we come up with the ideas we implement it all ourselves whereas obviously advertising agencies have a much different structure um, with kind of different specialists who do different roles within that and um, so i think there was a, a learning curve that the pr members of the team went on to um be able to kind of use specialists in different disciplines and um, to best effect on, on pr briefs and from the other side as well the, the the people who were from the advertising part of the business needed to be more agile in terms of how they worked with us and because it was a very a very different way of working
0: and and what are we now almost 10 years on from Mm -hmm. that that original integration what does it look like now do you have people with with multiple multiple disciplines or do you just have um, people are still fairly focused on their on their different expertise or is it just a mixture Mm,
1: it's a mix Um, we have people who who've moved and have moved across the business so may have started in PR, moved okay. into social media or advertising. Um, we have, particularly at a more senior level, um, people who lead teams across all of the disciplines that we offer at Kindred and their role on accounts might might differ depending on, on the project. Um, okay. And then we do have specialists who are um, very experienced in particular disciplines or particular roles. Um, the strategy and creative function and our kind of content and studio offer it in work across the whole of the business um so they are people that are multi skilled in generating ideas and strategies and, and content um for advertising PR and social media.
0: Okay. Brilliant. Okay, moving on. Um you've spent well basically a whole career at kindred, isn't it? I mean that's 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 kind of a cool thing, just just without yeah. any other context yeah. of conversation. Now how how does that feel? Um
1: I I always say when, it, when people ask me that question that it's kind of felt like several different jobs and Everyone several different businesses. But yeah. it really has. Yeah. From yeah. starting um, in a very small startup agency in Mill Hill, which was Geronimo, um, through to the PLC, tribal group, the big fancy offices, okay. um, and then going through a management buyout and being independently owned, um, it really has felt like like different businesses throughout that time.
0: I didn't realise, so, so Geronimo was pretty small when when you started there.
1: Yeah, it wasn't huge. It was a good business, right. but it, it wasn't. It okay. wasn't huge.
0: Didn't realise that. I thought it was a bit bigger. Okay. Mm. Um, so you've you sort of you've been on a big old, on, on quite a journey with that business, haven't you? Is there? I mean, you must at times have thought, oh, do I might, I might have a look around. But but you you never have left. I just. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly now it's paid off, um, but that's in hindsight. So at the time, were there were there moments where you thought, oh, I might have a little look around.
1: Yeah, I think when when times were tough, I think particularly around the government change and um, losing the public sector work, which was the the work that most interested me and and still does by and large, um, that um, was a challenging time. I did look elsewhere. Um, I had a six-month secondment at Heathrow Airport, um, so I was still employed by Kindred, but just to kind of see what life was like outside of the agency um, but I think throughout that I realised that um, the thing that's special about Kindred and that I like about the agency is the culture and the people and that isn't something that you can lift and put somewhere else yes right. work might be interesting elsewhere projects might be interesting but you can't take the people and the culture of a place and and, and move that elsewhere but I think that's something that's very unique about Kindred.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, everywhere has their has their own culture, mm. don't they? But it's clearly somewhere that you yeah, suits you me. feel very comfortable. Mm. Yeah, I mean, in the pre-show call, you described yourself as your special. Well, I, I don't know about in business sense, but in your career, the way you manage your career is quite risk averse. Is is that what you meant by that? Or,
1: yeah, I'm not a natural risk taker. Okay, um,
0: and you could you could argue that staying with a business at that time was quite a big risk. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I'm just. I'm playing devil's avatar to an extent, but you, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and, and I guess it was because there were times when it could have ended up folding quite yeah. easily. Yeah. Um, so I guess sticking with it, and even though I say I'm, I'm not a risk taker, I do like a challenge. Right. Um, I like to challenge myself. I like to challenge um, the teams around me. And, and I, I saw that the because we were starting at Rock Bottom, there was really somewhere to kind of rebuild from. And it gave me the opportunity to help shape an agency um, yeah. that really kind of fit with... My values and what I wanted out of work, because there was that process of rebuilding that that I was involved in
0: okay so come on and you've hinted at it a few times. Just talk to us about your your personal values and why that's uh, you find kindred such a a, a good spot for for, for for what you believe work should look like
1: mm. um, I think one of my values i guess is is honesty. I like straight talking people. I don't like bullshitters, I don't like people who beat around the bush um, and that's very much the approach at Kindred and always has been and the people that work there um, are very straight down the line, um, you don't have to read between the lines or make any guesses, Like everybody is quite honest in their interactions with each other and with clients and I think that's something that I, I really value.
0: Okay. It's an earthy agency or something like that. Don't it's just
1: it's normal people work there. I think that's how <laughs> I describe it. And I would say that I'm not saying that normal people don't work elsewhere. But well, you some, kind of have.
0: <laughs> what I meant is that
1: in some agencies. They're everyone's kind of a mould of each other or a certain kind of identity kit employee, well, not, ev- not everywhere. But I think a that's lot the perception. Places, it's, I, I think yeah. that's true. Not, yeah. not of everywhere. Well,
0: you've only ever worked at Kindred, so maybe... You, but I, I know a lot of people yeah, okay. who've worked
1: elsewhere. But Fine. I think the, the thing that I, I like about Kindred is that everybody is different um, and that makes a really kind of rich environment.
0: Okay. Because what I thought you might say was having been at that business when it was, you know, right on the edge... Um, you've sort of got a bit addicted to the growth because from, from wherever you were... I mean, let's say it was not a lot, was it, um, in terms of re- income mm-hmm. and revenue. Yeah, so it's now, been
1: down to about 2.5 million okay. at the...
0: And now the it's back point. up at at, at at over 8 million, um, that's, um, that's a, that's, well, go on. Gonna, yeah, I was you're going to correct our last me again. Account,
1: <laughs> our last account, the, it was 9 million turnover, okay. uh, 5 million fee income.
0: Okay. Which is, I suppose there's quite a bit of, 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 um, of paid media or, uh, and that type of thing mm. in there. Um, which, you know, so that's, that's the, that that's a, and you play yourselves up as an integrated agency, but if, do you think that you've got a bit addicted to that? Addicted is a negative phrase. I don't mean yeah. that, but you've enjoyed the, that journey. Um, I would um, have thought. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I have. I mean, it. it it's it's still a challenge every day you know trying to kind of maintain business um win new business um continuing to look at how we diversify what we do um, and build our client portfolio like it is still a challenge like you can never take your foot off the gas with agencies right. um, and the landscape changes all the time there are new players there are um, new specialists out there there are always kind of new competitors that we need to to be mindful of well, especially
0: in, in that integrated space you mm. know you're trying to compete with a lot of people and just talk to about the, the, the leadership team because you've, you, you're you now a managing partner but mm. you, you look after quite a specific bit and then there's other people who do other things that so just, just talk
1: Yeah, so Nick Musto is the chairman, um, and then myself and Sinead Gray are the managing partners. Um, So Sinead's background is in social media and content, um, but together we work closely sort of across the agency so we okay. don't have kind of a specific remit for specific um clients per se but we we do have different backgrounds but but you
0: look after the, the the public relations side per se is that kind of your your bit
1: yeah although there may be clients that sit under Sinead that do have a public yeah, relations yeah, part yeah, yeah, yeah. of them yeah, yeah, but yeah sure. by and large those clients come to me
0: okay um now a lot of people um came out in our pre-show chat that a lot of people at kindred don't work full-time Mm-hmm. Um, and just tell me about the the the, the business's approach to flexible working. I suppose I just I get the feeling that it's a you're a bit further down the line on that than than some people out some H, some PR firms out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the first things that Sinead and I did when we um, took over as managing partners was to implement a new flexible working policy. Um, and we were both finding that, particularly with recruitment of younger people, they didn't want to work the nine to five. And we were getting asked a lot of questions about our approach to, flex- our approach to flexible working. and um, Would we be open to, to people working part time? Um, and we just felt we needed to be more proactive about how we restructured um, the agency to, to account for that um, and to make flexible working kind of an integral part of what we do um, so we have people that work with us on a part-time basis who aren't necessarily parents we've got um, a YA fiction author um, we've got a strategist who runs uh, what, a football sorry? league oh, oh. At YA young adult I believe uh, the genre is okay. um, so she writes books in her, um, in her days when she's not at kindred um, we've got a guy who Runs a social enterprise, um, so it just means that that people feel they can have a life outside work, and mm. that they're building work around their lives rather than the other way around. I'm
0: that means that they they, they 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 their background means that they, that they have certain passions and knowledge about areas that that means you have a um, they do better work potentially at the end of the day. Yeah, It's um, the theory anyway, isn't it? Yeah, um, it
1: definitely adds a richness to, that's the um, phrase. to proposals yeah. that we give to clients and, and our offer because people are living in the real world as well as kind of living at work.
0: Do you think, I, I, sometimes, I mean, I had this this flexible working conversation a lot and it's linked to diversity, it's linked to the gender t- pay gap. Mm. I just, does it, do you think we're overcomplicating it a little bit? I mean, the way you just worded it there was... Just seem to be pretty simple and very logical. Um, yeah. I think we're we're maybe looking for this this eureka moment, and and actually, it doesn't need to be that way, does it?
1: Yeah, and I think the the pushback is often clients won't like it; we'll lose clients. Agencies can't operate like that. Right. But if you look at the makeup of most clients now, they have a lot of people that work flexibly. Um, they understand that their agencies do too and there is a payoff with expecting people sometimes to respond to emails out of hours or be on call um and that is kind of allowing them sort of free time and, and time and opportunities to do things that aren't work related to
0: right fun um and just talk a, a little bit it was it came up in a podcast that i did just, just the other day actually that that integration between earned and paid media because you, you i mean i don't suggest you're the uh, you, you, you're you're you're, you're the only firm trying try to trying to create that, that that path of integration there, but but what's your um, how do you balance when um, a campaign should be focused more on earned more on paid or is it is it just about the media take up of the story? How, how does it? What's the practical learnings from that type of um, situation on a, on a campaign level? Mm.
1: Um, it's starting with a robust strategy and knowing where your audience is right. um, and then thinking how you can reach them in those places and sometimes paid's the answer and sometimes earns the answer. Um, but I think but, it's kind of going right back to the beginning.
0: Is there a difference about how the audience either engages with the content or, or um, yeah, 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 exactly, engages with the content if it's, if it's earned or if it's paid?
1: Yeah, I mean, the two do a different job and I think... Um, the, the role of PR is often adding depth okay. to uh, to broadcast messages that might come across through a, an advertising campaign um, so yeah it's, it's kind of seeing the full mix of communications the role of each different channel and bringing them together to create a campaign
0: so even you know, in something like an influencer space there, there is not necessarily an either or when it's mm, uh, mm. earned versus paid it's it's a there's this type of message and this type of content that works better from an own media perspective and, and the same is true for a paid media perspective. Isn't that and, and those two kind of complement each other.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's I think these days you need to sort of see the suite of channels in front of you and, like I say, the, the role of each one and how they come together okay. um, rather than just kind of looking through the lens of, like, we're a PR agency, we just do PR.
0: Fine. I just gone on there, Finally, just talk us through the, the future plans for Kindred.
1: Um I think this this year will hopefully be another year of growth for us. Um we did a rebrand last year. Um so we repositioned ourselves all around the idea of positive change. Okay. Um so we're, at the moment we're actively seeking to to work with clients who sort of share that ethos across both the public and private sectors. Um, so that's uh, the the thing that we're excited about this year, and that we're we're building the business around.
0: Is that is that sort of a a, a, a different type of flavour of, of corporate purpose? Is that is that what you mean by that? Or?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's recognising um, that uh, in today's day and age. Um, people have much more of a social conscience and they want to work um, with brands and organisations that have purpose. Um, And I think our heritage in the public sector and a lot of the behaviour change work that we've done really lends itself quite well to that.
0: Brilliant. Sharon, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.